All right, we're going. So, guys, thank you all for being here. Uh, welcome to Identity House, obviously. Um, tonight, I am going to be teaching on criticism and judgment, which is following our accusation and bitterness teachings. And, uh, you know, the topics are really closely related, so we're going to be talking about, about some of that, how uh, criticism and judgment works together with accusation and works together with bitterness. Um, we're going to be talking about some of uh, the, the fruits that come out of criticism and judgment in our lives and how it breaks apart relationships that we have with other people. Um, so I'm hoping it's going to be really good. And um, a lot of this teaching comes out of an abundance of personal experience. That's <laughs> 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 <So, laughs> I can do it. <laughs> yeah, Savannah can attest to that. She can attest to that. So uh, I'm going to be talking about some some personal like testimonies in relation to it too, which um, I think will be will be really good for me and hopefully as well as you guys. Um, so before we get into it, I just want to pray and uh, then we'll just we'll jump in. Yeah. Hey Matt. Yes. Am I talking a little bit louder? Am I not talking loud enough? Okay. Because I'm basing your voice. Can y'all hear me in the back? The bass in the voice. Pretend right. like you're doing vocals again. Uh, that's not what but you not want. <laughs> that's not what you want. That's not what you want. Okay, let's pray. Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you so much for the awesome time of worship and fellowship that we had uh, tonight. Um, we just know that your presence was here, and it, it could be felt. It was tangible, and I just thank you so much for, for being here and uh, you know residing in the praises of your people. Um, you're so good. You pour out so many blessings. And so it was just an honor to, to pour out our praise and worship to you in that setting. And so uh, we just also thank you for the time of, of prayer that we had, uh, getting to send off Becky and Chelsea as they leave this week for their, their missions trips. And uh, that's such a cool thing. And uh, we just send them off with, with all the love and all the, all the, um, all the grace in the world. And so um, I just pray as we get into this teaching tonight that you would uh, send your Holy Spirit to uh, give me the words to say and that hearts and ears would be open to, to your truth tonight, Dad. And uh, we just do all of this for you. Uh, you're, you're such a good Father, and we just give you all the honor, glory, and praise. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, guys. <clears throat> Criticism and judgment. So... Uh, big things. These are these are big topics, and so we paired them together. I paired them together because they. I mean, they just they just work together, and we're going to talk about all of that. So you guys know that usually when I teach, I like to define things first. I always define things, and so if we if we're going to be talking about criticism and judgment together, we need to understand what those things are, so that we're all on the same level playing field when we get into it. So um, I've just got. You know, a, a short little, I don't know how long is it going to take, five minutes maybe, just talking about what criticism and judgment are. So just hear me out for a minute and then we'll, we'll get into it. So um, criticism and judgment are habits or thought patterns that the enemy can tempt us with in order to separate us from relationships with other people or even ourselves. They're closely related to accusation and bitterness because they both involve finding fault in other people or ourselves and what we choose to do about those faults. So, um, so criticism and judgment have to do with finding fault in other people and then what we do about those faults. How do we handle it? Where do we go from there? 
Um, so criticism in and of itself is not a word that is found anywhere in Scripture. You look in the Bible, you won't find the word criticism anywhere. Um, but it is a concept that's pretty well fleshed out. Um, so I just want to define criticism for you guys right now so that we, we kind of know what we're dealing with. Okay, so the definition of criticism is the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. The act of expressing disapproval and of noting the problems or faults of a person or thing. Um, so criticism has to do with expression. Criticism is something that is uh, either thought or spoken in such a way that um, it's, it's made known. Like you are making known something when you criticize something. You are making known your disapproval when you are, when you are in criticism. Um, and so with criticism, it's basically all about what do we do when other people, uh, when other people's faults are made apparent to us, what do we do about it? And if we're in criticism based on that definition, it means that we are making known our disapproval of those faults. And so who can we find those faults in either other people, ourselves, um, you can, you can find fault in God. I mean, based on your own understanding and knowledge of him, that is, is clearly not the, the true, true reality of Scripture because God is faultless. He is perfect. But you can find fault with God in your own imagination. And so it's possible to, to express disapproval of God. It's possible to openly express disapproval of other people. It's possible to openly express disapproval of yourself. That's what it means to be in criticism. <clears throat> Um, so, uh, criticism is basically, here's my kind of working definition. Criticism is basically a readiness or a desire to openly point out someone else's faults or shortcomings. It's a readiness or a desire to openly point out faults or shortcomings. That's kind of going to be the definition I'm working off tonight. A readiness or desire to point out someone's faults or shortcomings. And so, criticism... The reason I paired it with judgment is because judgment is so closely related in that once criticism has, has taken its place and you have expressed disapproval of someone's faults or shortcomings, judgment is right there following to say, now because you have those faults and shortcomings, I now condemn you for them. That's what judgment is. If you look up judgment, the most prominent word used for judgment in Scripture, uh, if you look it up in a Strong's Concordance, one of the main definitions is to condemn. It's to condemn. So when we talk about criticism and judgment tonight, we are talking about expressing disapproval, op openly expressing disapproval of someone's faults or shortcomings and condemning them for those faults or shortcomings. Okay. So just level playing field, that's where, we're, that's where we're going. That's what we're talking about tonight. Um, <clears throat> so um, let's kind of start with this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Ron taught on accusation. And basically the simplest, the simplest understanding of accusation is a charge of wrongdoing. And so if there's a charge of wrongdoing, then naturally... One of the things that the enemy will use when, once he gets us into accusation of another person is for us to want to openly make known their wrongdoing, right? 
I mean, it, it's such a big temptation. So if Satan is the accuser of our brethren, like it says in Revelation 12.10, um, when he comes to, to lay a charge of wrongdoing against someone in our minds, um, and we agree with, his, with that charge, um, then criticism follows right behind to get us to openly make known that wrongdoing and to express our disapproval of it. Um, so that's how criticism, judgment, and accusation are so closely related. Um, so now that you guys have, have an understanding of like, you know, why we came from accusation, why we came from, from that, and we're talking about this tonight, this is just another layer. There's so many different layers of how the enemy tries to get us to separate our relationships with people, to break us away from, from relationships with, with family, friends, with our church community. Like, that's specifically what we've been talking about the past several weeks, is our church community. And so this is a layer that we have to be aware of so that we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And so he will try to get us into criticism and judgment. And so let's talk about uh, let's talk about some more. Um, so I've got some some uh, fruits of having criticism and judgment as a habit pattern in our lives. And a lot of this, like I said before, is from personal experience and abundance of it. So um, some of these are things that I saw in my own life over the course of many years. Some of these some of these things that I'm going to mention are. Uh, things that I've just seen patterns of in other people's lives, or I've seen, you know, there, there are scriptural, um, scriptural basis for a lot of this stuff. So uh, if you guys just want to kind of listen, you can take notes on this, but um, these are some fruits of having criticism and judgment as a habit pattern in our lives. So here we go. Always being ready and waiting for someone to do or say something wrong so that we can point it out. That was totally me. Always waiting for somebody to slip up in what they said so that I could point it out. Um, <clears throat> actively seeking out things to correct in other people's lives. Yeah, been there. Um, <clears throat> unable to see the good in people because we are so hyper-focused on the bad. So if we're always looking... Or if we're always in a habit pattern of criticism, then why would, we, why would we be looking at the good in people's lives? We can't criticize things that are good. It gets us hyper-focused on bad in people's lives. Hyper-focused on it. Um, <clears throat> never making an allowance for people's growth or progress. We are all in process, but criticism mandates that everyone be perfect right now or else we won't let it stand. That's what criticism and judgment says. There is no grace or mercy in criticism and judgment. So, um, one of the things that, that I've experienced throughout uh, my younger years, probably most prevalent in my teenage years, I would say, um, is, is this, this, kind of, this concept right here is not ever making a, making allowance for people's growth or progress. I needed everybody to be exactly on the same page as me all the time. And if they weren't, I was going to do everything in my power to make sure that they were, that they got there. And you know what that involved? That involved pointing out every single fault that I found in somebody. Every single one. Man, that's... And not a good way to make friends. <laughs> not a good way to make friends, to say the least. Um, 
here, here's another fruit of having criticism and judgment in our lives. Often holding other people to a higher standard of behavior or living than we hold ourselves. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, I see this one. I see this one a lot in uh, arguments on social media and things. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. Like just some of the, some of the comments that people call each other out on. I was like, you're really gonna say that? Like I know you. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Holding other people to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. That is criticism and judgment. Um, another fruit is a mindset that anyone that makes decisions differently than you would is automatically wrong. I was that. I was that guy for a long time. Um, people would make, make a big life decision. I was like, well, that's not what I would do. <laughs> Nobody asked me. No, they didn't. But I had to make it known. I had to make it known that that's not what I would do. This would have been better for your life. It makes you God to them. It makes you, in your own mind, I, I have all the answers for you. Listen to me. Here's where you're wrong. That's what criticism and judgment says. Um, <clears throat> here's another fruit. A my way or the highway mentality. And if you don't choose my way which of course is the only right way, then everyone is going to know about it. Or at least I'm going to make sure you know about it. Okay? Um, here's another one. This was so me, and I cannot, I cannot express how, how long I dealt with this right here, but a constant need to always be right. That is, that is, yeah. We're on the same page, yeah. So, um, <laughs> one of the things, I actually, I struggled with this for so long, I brought it into my marriage with Savannah. <laughs> that laugh was a little bleakful. It was. So, <laughs> I have come so far, I appreciate you saying that. Um, <clears throat> so, there will be so many times in the first, I don't know, at Does least... think very differently. Yeah, she thinks so differently than me. And so, if, you, if, if you're a person that struggles with, with criticism and judgment, and that's something that the enemy tempts you with, man, people that think differently than you, you're just like, ah! Like, what the heck? <laughs> so, there would be so many times, at least in the first at least year of marriage, um, that she would come to me all excited about something, be like, check this out, this is so cool. And I would be like, well, you know that's not actually what that's about, right? And just completely, completely... Yeah, just completely deflate. I was the deflator, that's what she called me. The deflator. The deflator. But... <laughs> But in, in my mind, in my mind, in those situations, I recognized an area where my wife was, had inaccurate information about something, okay? And because she had inaccurate information about something, I had to be the one to set it right. I had to, I had to be the corrector, yeah. That had to be me. 
because I could not tolerate my wife being in ignorance over something, right? That's just unacceptable. That's just not okay. That's just not okay. Making it so much worse than it actually was. Well, it's much more funnier. It's way funnier. But seriously, seriously, guys, it, it took it took a couple of 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 those instances where that would happen. Where she would come to me later and be like, you really can't let me have anything, can you? Like, you really can't let me have any of this enjoyment. You really can't let me have any of this excitement. And it took one or or two of those times before I realized, I got to change this. Because this cannot go on. This cannot remain a trend in our marriage or else it's just we're just going to drift apart and it's just not going to be good it's not going to be productive i'm not going to be she's not going to want to come to me excited about anything anymore because she's afraid i'm just going to deflate it like that is not a healthy relationship and so not only does that happen in in marriages that happens in every it has the possibility of occurring in every relationship that we have interpersonally with other people like that's a possibility if, if criticism and judgment is is a habit pattern in our lives. Um, well, the other side of that is I was walking out of being in fear of man. Yeah. And I would I was learning to share things I was excited about, and then I would share it with you. Yeah. And then it just wouldn't go well. And yeah. I'd be like, Ugh. yeah. So like that's how it works in community. Sure. People are walking out of different things, and if then you're responding that way, it made it harder for me to want to work out of my own stuff to come to him. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so, if, if you guys are, well, you may may or may not be wondering, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the real, when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, and you get down to the real root of, of what causes that type of behavior, and what caused that type of behavior in me, was that I had a low sense of self-worth and that my only self-worth came out of knowing all the answers. My only self-worth came out of being right. And if I couldn't be right, if I couldn't share the truth with somebody, what was I good for? Like if I couldn't correct people and bring them back into alignment with what was correct, then like I had no other meaning to be here because, you know, I didn't have very good relationships with people growing up as, as a kid. I had a couple good friendships, like really close friendships, but on, on the whole, like I wasn't super good at making friends. Well, turns out one of the reasons that I wasn't super good at making friends is because I was so dang critical and judgmental all the time. <laughs> You know, so the enemy puts this stuff in our lives and we get into this vicious cycle of like, all right, well, I, I don't have very good relationships. So the only thing the only thing that makes me feel good about myself is being right. So I'll just be right and tell other people about how I'm right and correct them on stuff so that they can be right, too. Well, then that just destroys relationships even more. And so you just dig yourself into the deepest possible hole and you just keep digging deeper and deeper. And it's so hard to get out of it. Um, so, okay, some more fruits of, of having criticism and judgment in your life. A rigid sense of truth. Being prideful or unteachable. Um, so if, if you've got criticism and judgment in your life, then 
you're always ready to correct people or to point out where they are, where they are wrong, or you're always ready to show disapproval of, of faults in someone else's life. You have to hold so strongly to that sense of truth that validates you in doing that. Because the truth is the most important thing, you know, to a person that, that's walking in this stuff. And that truth has to be rigid. There cannot be any deviation whatsoever or else I might not actually be right. Okay? Um, so here's, here's another one. Uh, criticism and judgment shuts our ears to what God says about a person. So if we are only interested in pointing out people's flaws... If we're only interested in expressing our disapproval with people, uh, that's going to be our only focus, and we're not listening or we're not looking for what God has to say. It makes our voice the most important voice. Um, a super, a super. This is going to be our, our first scripture of the evening. Um, John ten. John, this is just a, this is not like a, a main point that I'm going to talk about, but this is this is something really cool that I found. I'm actually just going to read this to you guys. It's John 10, 27 through 33. So this is uh, this is right after Jesus is talking about how he's the good shepherd and the sheep hear his voice. Um, so I'm going to read John 10, 27 through 33. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father, for which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. So Jesus is saying all this, all this stuff about himself and about how, how he's a good shepherd, about how he and his father are one. Um, and all of, the, all, all of the things that the Jews can hear him, him saying at that point are, you know, blasphemy. He's wrong. This is this is not the truth. The truth can't be found in him. We we have to make known our disapproval of the things that he's saying. And on top of that, we condemn him to the point where we say he is deserving of death so that we're going to stone him. Um, so when I said criticism shuts our ears to what God says about a person, this is literally literally an example of God saying things about himself. Like, this is Jesus, God, God's son. Like, Jesus was fully man and fully God. This is an example of Jesus speaking about himself as God and how he and Father God are one. And the people's ears were shut to what God was saying. They were shut because they were only concerned with the truth that they knew, their rigid sense of truth. And their rigid sense of truth said that no man can be equal with God. This is blasphemy. And therefore, we make known our disapproval of what you're saying. And we judge you and condemn you to the point where we, we say you are deserving of death. That's what criticism does. It shuts your ears to what God says and makes you the ultimate authority and makes you the person that can deal out judgment and condemnation. Um, and here's, 
Here's the last uh, fruit that I'm going to share with you guys of having criticism and judgment in your life is self-righteousness and 0% self-evaluation. If you are always concerned with pointing out other people's flaws or uh, expressing your disapproval of people's shortcomings in their life, I can tell you, you have not looked at yourself closely at all. Because if you had, if you had looked deeply enough into your life, you would see that everything you are criticizing people for and judging people for, you've got that in you too. You've got a piece of it in you too. Um, So here is kind of, I've got like a few points of um, getting past criticism and judgment in our life. So this is the first point. The first point is in order to get past criticism and judgment, we have to have a sense of self-evaluation and we have to place a high importance on our own personal sanctification. We have to look at ourselves, um, not in a super self-centered way, but you've just got to know what stuff you deal with. Okay, so I've got some, I got some scriptures for this one. Somebody who's got a Bible and wants to read something, Cameron, uh, turn, to, turn to John 8, 1 through 11 for me. John 8, 1 through 11, and then Savannah, you want to read one? Okay. Okay. Uh, can you read Matthew 7, 1 through 5? Yeah. All right, so Cameron, whenever you're ready, John 8, 1 through 11. Okay. Uh, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they may have said something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. Nice. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Yeah. So this is a prime example of the heart of the, the heart of Father God in uh, deferring criticism and judgment. Um, and the, the main point in, in this story that I want to point out, I mean the whole thing is, the whole thing is super good. Um, like he who's without sin among you let him throw a stone at her first. Uh, that, that's so good. but the whole, the whole reason that Jesus said that is to get the people to evaluate themselves to take a chance to look at their own lives and determine the sin that they had uh, present. And so um, upon self-examination, every single purpose, every single person that criticized and judged the woman ceased their criticism and judgment. 
because they realized that they too were guilty of things worthy of judgment as well. They chose to extend mercy to her because they desired the same mercy for themselves. Um, so the, the people that brought the woman before Jesus, the woman that had been caught in adultery, they were 100% in criticism and judgment toward her. Because they had, you know, obviously caught her in this wrongdoing, but they were expressing their disapproval of it to Jesus. And two, they were uh, in judgment towards her because they were basically putting, putting her at his feet, saying, the law says she should be stoned. We agree. What do you say? And so basically they said, you know, we, we condemn her to death. Do, do you do the same? And so they were in criticism and they were in judgment. But what Jesus did in order to, to basically thwart that whole thing was to say, look at yourself. Look at yourself. He who is without sin cast the first stone. Um, and by saying that, every single one of them was forced to look internally and to say, you know what? I, I, can't, be the, I can't be the one to cast a stone because I have stuff in my life too. So if you're interested in, in diffusing criticism and judgment in your life, stop looking at other people's flaws and work on your own self. Like, for serious. Um, <clears throat> okay, Savannah, you've got Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Go ahead. Let me flip there right quick. You can go ahead and read it. Okay. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you measure it shall be measured to you again and why behold you the speck that is in your brother's eye but consider not the beam that is in your own eye or how will you say to your brother let me pull out the speck out of your eye and behold a beam is in your own eye you hypocrite first cast out the beam out of your own eye and then then you shall see clearly to cast out the speck out of your brother's eye yep <clears throat> thank you Savannah. so um <clears throat> I mean, this is probably one of the most famous scriptures in, in all of the Bible in reference to uh, judgment and, <laughs> I mean, uh, us, us judging other people. Um, but I think something that's super interesting about this, in verse, verse 3 through 5, it says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So something I find super interesting about this is that not only is this a call to evaluate ourselves before we call out sin in someone else. So before we jump into criticism and judgment. Um, it's also that when we go through the process of removing sin from our lives, when we go through that process of noticing that plank that's in our eye and actually removing it through the process of, of repentance and, and sanctification then we will have such a greater allowance of grace when we go to point out the speck in someone else's eye. Like that, I never realized that before until I like got into this teaching and like studied it out. Um, that's so cool. And so, um, because when we know how much grace was required in order for us to get free of that plank, then we are going to want to afford the same amount of grace to other people. And so if you want to get rid of criticism and judgment in your life, go through the process of personal sanctification. 
do the work to get free of the sin in your life and you will realize how hard it is. <laughs> you will realize how much work it takes. And because of that realization, you are going to have so much more mercy and grace towards people and when, when you deal with their faults and their shortcomings. Okay? Because it is a process. Um, so deal with yourself first. Self-evaluation and uh, personal sanctification. That's point one. Um, my second point for uh, getting out of criticism and judgment in our lives is actually from this same scripture. So um, in verses 1 and 2, it says, Judge not that ye be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Um, <clears throat> so this is in very close relation to something that we like to call the doctrine of sowing and reaping, mm -hmm. which I think is a super awesome thing to know. So we're going to talk about it. Um, the doctrine of sowing and reaping comes from Galatians 6. So if somebody wants to turn to Galatians 6, verse, Nina, go for it. Verses, Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10. Yeah, you, you don't got to read it. You don't, I'll, I'll let you know when to read it. <laughs> yeah. So just, just remember kind of what it says here in this scripture in Matthew 7. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So <clears throat> based on what we're talking about in the context of, of this teaching, the amount of criticism and judgment that we sow into other people's lives is just about the same amount of criticism and judgment that you can expect to reap in your own life. So, Nina, the doctrine, the doctrine of sowing and reaping, Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Read Do that for us. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man, who reaps, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for by the pro for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we have opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of Abraham. Yep. Thank you, Nia. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the doctrine of reaping and sowing says, mm -hmm. if if you uh, if you sow if you sow bad things in into the world if you if you live according to the flesh and sow sow sin into the world you can pretty much expect that same stuff to come around back to you. Uh, we talked about this in last week in the bitterness teaching and in the forgiveness teaching. I talked about um, how the Lord's Prayer says, uh, uh, "What does it say? Forgive us our trespassers as we forgive those who trespass against us." Um, so basically, God is saying. Um, He's, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he was saying, uh, I'm teaching you to, to ask for the same amount of forgiveness that you give out to people, right? So this is, this is a, a, a doctrine that, that stands across Scripture. I've actually got one more. If somebody wants to read real quick, Savannah, can you, do you, no, you don't have it open. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, can you read that for me? You're good. Sword drill. It's all good. Second Corinthians nine, six through eight.
For this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. And God is able... How much? Yeah, till no, okay. d- till eight. Six till eight. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Yep. So, this doctrine of reaping and sowing uh, is really across all of Scripture, and it applies both to negative and positive aspects of life. Um, So, basically, what that Scripture is talking about is talking talking about tithing and talking about giving. Um, and how God loves a cheerful giver, and if if you if you sow you know if you sow financially, then you will reap you will reap to the point where you have no lack and you have you have no need of anything. Um, it's not talking about prosperity gospel stuff. There's no we're not talking about boats and mansions. We're talking about um, just however much you need, God will God will give it. And so this doctrine of reaping and sowing is is across all parts of life. You know, if we sow criticism and judgment towards people, we can expect criticism and judgment back. If we sow unforgiveness toward people, we can expect that we're probably not going to have a lot of unfor- a lot of forgiveness afforded to us. Um, and so, I just kind of want to point this out. If if any of you guys here are kind of wondering or trying to figure out, like, um, you know, maybe maybe you're not getting a lot of a lot of respect in your place of work. Or maybe you're not getting a lot of respect from from your family or you know housemates or, or anything like that. Um, if you're wondering why that's the case, maybe take a look at yourself and see: Am I giving out the kind of respect that I want to be getting in return? Because that's the doctrine of sowing and reaping. You receive the same amount of respect that uh, you give out. That's like a biblical principle that you can hang your hat on. Um, so, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that that can apply to as well. But in, in, terms of, in terms of what we're talking about, the amount of criticism and judgment that we sow into other people's lives, that's the same, the same measure you can expect to receive in your own life. And I don't want to be someone that's judged or condemned, especially by, by God. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not something I'm looking for in life. <laughs> um, yeah. So that that's point two. Point three. Um, somebody want to turn to John three. Elijah. John three. Why don't you read sixteen through eighteen for me? Sixteen through eighteen. So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God will not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Yep. So, my third point about getting free of criticism and judgment in your life is to realize that God's heart is not to criticize or to judge or condemn. That's not His heart. Okay, in, in verse 18... Um, it talks about how we sh- uh, talks about how uh, if if the world is living in darkness, then they're condemned already. Okay, so we shouldn't condemn people for living in sin and darkness because the word says if they're living in sin and darkness, they're condemned already. 
why should we drive them further into that condemnation by criticizing and judging their life choices? Why do that? When we have the opportunity to present them with the same love and grace that the Father did by sending His Son to save them from that darkness, to save them from that life of sin. Um, So one of the things that we're faced with as the church is how to deal with uh, lifestyles and uh, aspects of culture around us that don't line up with the Word of God. And we are faced with the question of what are we going to do about all that when we see those things that you know, that, that we don't agree with based on Scripture and other people's lives. Um, and, man, there are so many churches out there that just go straight to open criticism and judgment and condemnation towards people. But that isn't God's heart. Yeah. It's not, and it, and it never has been. God's heart was to send His Son into the world to literally die as a propitiation for those sinful lifestyles so that those people had the opportunity to get free of those sinful lifestyles. And so if we're going to be operating with the same heart that Father God has, we are going to stray away from criticism and judgment because we are going to want to set them free from the sin. We are going to want to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. Like that's the heart of Father God. His heart is not to openly uh, express uh, disapproval. He doesn't do that. The only time in Scripture that I see, at least in the New Testament, that I see Him openly expressing disapproval was Jesus openly expressing disapproval of the Pharisees and the stuff that that they said and did on a regular basis because they were just... ah. And the stuff that He was bringing to light was their self-righteousness. And so if, if we're gonna if we're gonna operate the way that Jesus did with the heart of the Father, because Jesus only did and said the things that he saw his father saying and doing, then we're not gonna point out the sinful lifestyles of those living in darkness and living in living in, in the world and you know, just they're just out there doing their thing. Like we're not gonna criticize and judge them. The only people that we are going to openly rebuke are going to be those that are uh, wise in their own minds and self-righteous within the context of like they say they know God, you know, like the Pharisees did, and just the legalism and all of that stuff. But in terms of in terms of what we do as a church, when we come across um, shortcomings and faults in people's lives, if we're operating with the heart of the Father, criticism and judgment aren't even on the list of things that we go to. We go to healing hearts. We go to giving mercy and grace and providing truth in in a spirit of gentleness to get them to get them to a place of understanding, like how much God loves them, like how much how much He must have loved them to send His Son to die, like it said, like like it says in, in John three. So that's the third point. God's heart is not to criticize or to judge or condemn people, and so. Seek after the heart of the Father in relation to other people. Seek after His heart for them. Um, And so here is my fourth and actually final point uh, about getting free from criticism and judgment in our lives. 
Well, it might not be my final point. I have some other things to say. But <clears throat> number four, number four is give over the job of judgment to Christ. Because that's Christ's job. Okay, someone want to turn to Romans 14 for me? Elijah, get Romans 14, 10 through 14. And then I'm going to read one. Uh, whenever you get it, go ahead and read it. Romans 14, 10 through 14. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with this contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to them, to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded by the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> why would we judge people? Why would we go into criticism and judgment of other people if we know that we must all stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for ourselves? That's his job. Like, that is, that is the, the position and the place of authority that the Father God has given to Jesus as, as judge. And so, let's let him handle it, because he is the only perfect and righteous judge. We cannot, we cannot claim that type of, of holiness, that type of perfection, that type of all-knowingness um, to be a perfect and righteous judge like he is. So that's literally his job. And if I am going to be giving, a, giving an account of all of my deeds done here on this earth, you know, when I go before the judgment seat of Christ, I don't want some of those deeds to be me out of my self-righteousness criticizing and judging other people, you know. Like I'm giving an account of my judgment to the ultimate judge that's judging me. That's not something that I want. That's not, that's not what he desires for us. And so Christ is the judge. And so let, let's let him, you know, handle that stuff. So when we come across shortcomings and faults in other people's lives, man, just, just love people and let God sort out that stuff. <laughs> because that's his job in the end. We're all going to give an account. And the people, the people that we're concerned about, they're going to have to give an account too. And that, that's between them and the Father. So let's just love them. Um, so I'm going to read to you guys another scripture. This is 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. If you want to turn there, I'll give you a second. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. Um, it says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. So Paul's telling us in the scripture to judge nothing. For the Lord, which is Jesus, that's, that's Jesus the Christ, will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. That's what he does. Jesus knows the 
intimate places of your heart. He knows literally everything about you, every thought that you've ever had. And so if he knows that about each and every individual person, by, by going into criticism and judgment, we are saying that we know enough. We, do we really know enough to condemn someone for their actions? Do we really know enough to condemn someone for their shortcomings and for their faults? No, we have no clue. Christ is the only one that can bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Like, that is, that is his job and that, is, that he is the only one that has the power to do that. Um, so <clears throat> that's kind of that. Um, the last thing that I kind of want to, um, bring up is, uh, when I was talking before about how, um, my, my excessive, like, need to be right all the time came out of a place of, of not having very high self-worth and my only self-worth coming from, uh, from being able to be right and correcting people and just being the one that knew the truth and all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> if, if that's the case for you, then one of the things that so, so helped me in, in getting through this, these habit patterns of just constantly criticizing, constantly judging people um, for their decisions and, and stuff that they said was really, really getting in touch with, who my, with what my identity was in Christ. Because if my, if my only self-worth comes from being right, if my only self-worth comes from, you know, uh, showing people how they're wrong and how, how uh, I, they deserve disapproval and, and stuff like that for the stuff that they've done, like, that's such a place of, of low self-esteem and low self-worth. I had no idea who Dad God said that I was. Because if I truly knew who Dad God said that I was, that He literally loved me to the point that I'm an adopted son, like I'm chosen, He calls me beloved, He calls me a saint, all of those things. Um, man, if I had known that, I would, I would have had such a, a higher view of myself and I wouldn't need to to say all that stuff that I said to people or to point out all of the flaws in people's thinking or to point out all of the faults or to, to judge or condemn people for, for the lifestyles that they led. Um, you know, one of, the things, one of the things that was super prevalent for me, um, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. When I was in high school, man, I was, I was super into debating. I was all into, like, politics and just talking about that kind of stuff. And man, it was such a, a, a strong thing to go into criticism and judgment towards people for their political ideas or affiliations that I literally basically said uh, many times in, in my mind. I don't think I ever spoke this out to people, but like because of what you believe in relation to this political stance, like that's unacceptable. I cannot accept you and therefore you are condemned because of what you think and what you believe. That's crazy, man. Because God doesn't say that. God doesn't care about those stances. He cares about the posture of the heart towards Him. And I never looked at people's heart posture. You know, it says, the word says that man judges by the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Man, I was never able to look at people's heart posture and their motives for thinking the things that they did. 
Like motives are so important. And so it just goes back to that thing that like Jesus is the only one that can reveal the counsels of the hearts. And so I have I don't understand people's motivations for thinking or doing things that they do. So I'm going to reserve judgment to Christ because he's the only one that knows. And, you know, I'm not going to claim that I that I know all of this stuff to the point where I can say I disapprove you you cannot be accepted and you are condemned. Um, so, I mean that I hope that all kind of ties together. But um, you know the crit- criticism and judgment it really is bondage, guys. It's bondage, and you are in if, if you're in criticism and judgment, you are in bondage to the idea that like you have to be right. You have to make known your disapproval. You have to show people where they're wrong or where they've come short. And you have to set people on the right track. Like, if, if you're in that, it, it, like, consumes your mind to the point where uh, there, there was literally a point in my life where I would be in a social situation and my ears were always just burning red waiting for me to hear someone say something that was incorrect so that I could jump in and correct them. That was my existence for a while. That I had to put people in their place. And man, that is not God's heart. It's just not. And so if you guys if you guys struggle with any of this stuff, um, be encouraged because you can come out of it. Um, all of these points that I gave you were part of my process in getting free of this. You know, especially that last one, understanding my identity and really extending the same levels of grace and mercy towards people that I desired for myself. Because, man, I can tell you, the more I got into this journey, the more I realized that, like, oh, man, I really don't know nearly as much as I thought I did. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I just think about it. The, the, more, the, more, the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. Like, it's so true. It's that, that's such a true thing. The more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. And so for me to go from, from that place of just realizing that I don't know, I just don't know even close to the, the full extent of all knowable knowledge, especially in relation to the omniscient mind of Father God. Like, I'm just not going to go into criticism and judgment towards people. I'm just not going to express my disapproval because I don't know who am I to disapprove. I don't know. <laughs> you know? I don't know. So um, be encouraged because you can you can get out of this stuff. And I'm still on this journey. Um, I mean, Savannah can attest. I'm, I'm still I'm still getting there. Um, I'm still coming out of a lot of this stuff. The habits just pop up every so often. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing about all this stuff. You know, we've been talking about accusation, we've been talking about bitterness, talking about criticism and judgment. Every single one of those things could be a habit pattern. It can be just a habit that you've created over time, or that has been. You can trace it back the same habit through your family line. Like your grandfather struggled with it, your dad struggled with it, you struggle with it. Um, you can trace back that stuff. And like the habit patterns are so deeply ingrained that it takes work to get free of it. That's why I love uh, that scripture in Matthew 7 where you remove the plank from your own eye in order to, to see good enough, see well enough to remove the speck from someone else's eye. Because it takes so much work to get that out of your life. 
that once you go through that process, man, you're going to have so much grace and mercy for people in their own processes. You will. And that's like, to me, that's like the antidote to criticism and judgment. It really is. You cannot judge people if you have that understanding of how, of just how hard uh, the process of, of getting free of junk in our lives is. So just be encouraged. This, I, don't, I don't want this to be like a heavy teaching or a really heavy topic. But if, you know, I talk about all this stuff. If the shoe fits, you don't got to wear it anymore. <laughs> I got that from Ron. Everybody says if the shoe fits, wear it. Well, if the shoe fits, we don't want you to have to wear that shoe. We don't want you to have to wear that shoe anymore. We don't want you to have to wear that criticism and judgment shoe anymore. Um, so I would really just encourage you guys, um, like my first point, do some self-evaluation. Do you have criticism and judgment lying lying dormant somewhere somewhere in your life, or is it readily apparent? Um, if if you identify with with any of the stuff that I read through on that list of, of fruits of, of criticism and judgment, you know, just just start thinking about it and go go to God and ask what you need to do. Go to Him and, and with a heart of repentance and a desire to to change. Um, and so that's what I'm going to leave you guys with. Um, yeah, that's good. I made it under an hour. 57 minutes. Uh, yeah, does anyone have any questions, comments, or concerns? I just have, like, a comment. Yeah. Like, one thing that was really powerful with your walkout, just because I had the privilege of, you know, being there with you and helping you practice. Yeah. Um, is that you came to me when you had this revelation and realized that you were going to break this habit pattern. And yeah. you said... Um, to me, we kind of shared it to each other as well, is no matter what I say, my heart for you is good. Mm. So sometimes my actions and sometimes my words will not align with God's. But know that my true self and my true intention for you is of good and to build you up yeah. and stuff. And so that's, like, helped me as you're, you know, you're goofy sometimes, and that's okay. <laughs> you're walking it out. You're practicing. You're growing. You're learning. And it's easier for me to let you walk that out and not go under criticism and judgment towards you when I have that understanding of you're walking it out. But regardless of what you say, I know your true heart. Yeah. Yeah, so that's actually super good for the context of, like, um, how we're we're dealing with each other in this community and in this family. Um, I think it's so good and it's so important to really voice our true intentions and our true heart for each other to each other directly, you know, in conversation and in just, you know, talking to each other. Like, my heart for each and every one of you is to build you up and to honor you. Um, I, I, have, I have no uh, animosity. I have no, like, um, negative thoughts towards any of you guys. And if I ever have, it's just because the enemy put them there. It was never me. And so that's... You got something to say, Joe? So does that mean that if we accidentally slip into accusation, like, I know I had a conversation with Micah, like, you guys don't know Micah, but where I... Stephanie, you were there. You are. I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Lord, where he left, and I called him out and stuff. Yeah. But I didn't do it in the best way. And sure. It came off as accusation. Sure. But my heart motive was just to address some things that he was doing that had hurt me. Sure. And to like encourage him to do better. Sure. Um, and then like 
we talked about it later, and like he was like, "Hey, that was kind of like not the best way to do that." But <laughs> sure. I I received what you had to say, yeah. so I apologized for accusing him of stuff. And then he was like, "Hey, while we're talking about it, here's some stuff I've noticed that you've been doing that's hurt me as well." Right. And so like. I think as a community, if we take into account the fact that we're here to encourage each other, even when we do slip up and like accuse somebody of something, mm-hmm. we can still receive what they have to say and say, "Listen, I received what you had to say, but like the accusation part, like let's try and work on that." Yeah. Um, and we can have mercy for that person as they're walking out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So accusation is a big piece of this um, because criticism and judgment rise right on its coattails. It really does. It's like if you go into accusation towards someone, it's like next on the list is making known your disapproval <laughs> and bringing bringing condemnation upon them. Um, and so I think that I think that's really good, Joe. It's like um, just just making known our intentions to people and being teachable and being having like mercy and grace for people when they do slip up, because that's the opposite of criticism and judgment. Not condemning, but allowing people to be in process and just affording them the grace and mercy that is so necessary in going through the process of personal improvement and sanctification. So, anybody else? Um, I would just like to say something that I learned. Yeah. Always start off with encouragement, then you correct or train or teach, and then you encourage them again. Yeah. Because, I mean, God, I mean, like we've been listening on, I mean, God only has the best intentions for us, and yeah. we as well should have the best intentions for others, because, as you said, as God said, for God so loved that He gave it all, so we need to yep. um, uh, deal with um, uh, others in mind and not ourselves, because it's not about us, it's about Him. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. We're, to my understanding, uh, in... I don't know. I don't know how many weeks, maybe a month from now, we'll be doing um, a teaching on healthy biblical confrontation. Yes! <laughs> what? Uh, so, 